What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, coming off a tough one against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who will play Saturday for the AFC South Championship. I think it's the first AFC South Championship game that I can remember. That'll happen week 18, Saturday night. The NFL decided to put that on Saturday, not Sunday night. But it should make for some fun Saturday watching nonetheless. But it was not fun watching that on Sunday. So we'll break it down with the general a little later in the show. We'll also break down week 17 in the NFL. But we started off with our pal Andre Ware getting his thoughts about everything that transpired on Sunday and this weekend in college football. Your thoughts as the Texans play the Colts on Saturday, well, Sunday. We thought it might be Saturday, but it's definitely going to be Sunday. We just don't know what time yet. And it's the season finale. What kind of performance are we going to get? We thought we'd see better yesterday. What do you think? Yeah, I was expecting yesterday to see a performance similar to uh, to Dallas, you know, the, the, the Dallas game in the week before. And then it just wasn't there yesterday. So hopefully they can bounce back and look uh, next week like they looked the previous two weeks uh, where they played hard on defense. I mean, just complimentary football. The offense kind of gelled, took advantage of opportunities. The defense was setting up. The running game was just enough. None of those things were there yesterday. Yeah, none of it was yesterday, in part because the Jaguars are they're pretty good, Trey. What did you think about Trevor and the Jags after watching yesterday compared to what we saw in week five? Yeah, he made a couple of mistakes yesterday, errant throw for an interception, but uh, I think he's grown as a player. He's certainly not anywhere close to the player he was when we saw him in week five. Uh, He's grown tremendously, pushing the ball down the field, and you can tell the guys around him have a tremendous amount of confidence in Trevor as well. Uh, The offensive line is fine, uh, so he's got enough around him right now to continue an upward trend in terms of his growth. All right, Dre. Thoughts on the defense yesterday? I know they allowed the 62-yard run to ETN. Other than that, it seemed like, you know, the Jags weren't exactly going up and down on the field, up and down the field. It felt like one of those games where, once again, the offense had difficulty moving the ball, scoring points, obviously, with only three on the board. And the defense might have been able to do enough to keep you in the game, but it just didn't happen as the sides of the ball weren't really that even. Yeah, I just I thought yesterday was the first time in, in quite some time, maybe way earlier in the year, where not not one of the three components of of the team were working: special teams, uh, offense, defense, and you know, defensively, I, I just felt like when Jacksonville had the ball, and you're trying to defend them. There was a point in that game that I felt like they could do whatever they wanted to do and go up and down the field, and not until they took their foot off the gas. Was that going to stop? And that's kind of when it when it stopped when C.J. Beathard entered the game. So it wasn't the best uh, effort, I thought, defensively. I thought Jalen Petrie had a Jalen Petrie-type game. I thought Oboe had an Oboe-type game. But those are two individuals out of 11 that that needed to uh, to do their jobs yesterday. And I just didn't feel that from from the entire group. Dre, we've been talking about the Texans' offense, and I had went and found the, the median number of yards per game in the NFL, pretty much the average. is about 339, and the Texans have not been able to get there offensively. Whether it's Week 18 or moving on, what's the biggest thing that the offense has to get right, in your opinion, going forward? 
to start being one of the teams that can be at that number, 339 yards per game every single week? Well, yeah, you always hear, fans will hear about an identity offensively, and that basically is what can you do uh, well anytime you basically want to do it. That That's – that's your offensive identity, whether it's throwing the football X amount of times or that's how you choose to move it, or if you're a physical run game, or if you're going to be, you know, somewhat different in that capacity. But you got to figure out exactly what your identity is. I don't know that that's the case or has been the case this year offensively. Uh, there are times when they can run the football, obviously, when Damian Pierce was healthy. There are times when they couldn't run it when Damian Pierce was healthy, they, you know, there are times when uh, Brandon Cooks is out of the lineup and they're throwing it all over the park and moving it down the field through the air. When sometimes when he's in the lineup, you know, it's, it's not that way. So I say all that to say, I don't know that they figured out this season what the identity offensively is of this team. What can they do well and do well consistently? All right, Dre, uh, let's just talk about Davis Mills for a second here because this year was going to be, hey, you drafted him in the third round in 2021. Let's give it a shot, see how it goes. Right. Obviously, he's dropped in completion percentage. The results just aren't what they, what you want them to be, what he wants them to be. If he asked you, hey, what do I need to work on in the offseason? What can I do to get better, no matter what happens to his career from here? What would you prescribe for him, Andre? Well, I think it went the other direction when, and I hate to say it, but when the two quarterback system started. Now, I'm okay with it, which is hard to believe because it somewhat helped the team be able to. I don't know if I don't know what the right word is, but you know, move the move the ball. I'll say it that way. Uh, so you keep defenses off balance a little bit, and they've been able to do that for a couple of games in a row now. Um, but that's a, a gimmick in which you know you can't just go under center with one guy and make it happen. So you got to create different ways and scenarios in which to try to move the football. Davis Mills has suffered because of it, because he's not the every down quarterback. He's a guy that needs reps. He's a reps player that the more he plays, the better he gets. That's why he plays better late in most games than he does really, you know, early in, in games. So, uh, I think you're starting to see that that affect his game. And uh, I can promise you there's nobody ready to get to the finish line more so than Davis Mills at this point. Okay, I got this question is for both of you. Now, the more I think about this, the more I feel like it's not going to happen. But I don't know. So I'm going to ask it anyways. Derek Carr with the Titans, Derek Carr with the Colts. Dre, Mark, which one is more dangerous for this year and beyond. Derek Carr with the Colts, Derek Carr with the Titans. Dre, you go first. Hmm. I would have to believe, even though they don't have quite the receiving threats that the Colts have, I would think it would be the, the Titans right away. Um, Colts have had a bunch of injuries. Uh, even Jonathan Taylor is not in the lineup. And if what we're doing is inserting Derek Carr in as a quarterback, that I would think it would be the Titans with, and they have some young receivers that think he can work with as well. Um, you know, you just, there's no other Derrick Henry out there. And I think they've got enough on the defensive side of the football that if they had some stability at quarterback, it would affect the entire team 
and that's I think what he could give them. So I don't know. You're creating a situation that just might be there this off season. So I don't know if I mm-hmm. want to see Derek Carr in the division uh, week in and week out. Yeah, and I don't know who's coaching the Colts, right? That's a big issue here. Who's going to be the head coach uh, of Indianapolis see. next year when Derek Carr wow. might be available to them? And the other thing is this. Can they sell Derek Carr to the fan base? Not that that's everything and not that they even need to. They can just do it. But after going with Philip Rivers and Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan, and Rivers worked out reasonably well for them, although they lost in the yeah. playoffs, I'm not so Great sure point. they can go that route and not draft a quarterback because they're going to have a pretty decent pick. And I don't yeah. know if they'll get Stroud or Young, but they'll get the next best thing after that with Good whoever with they that. pick. Good luck with that. Okay, I'll give you one. All right. We haven't watched the Detroit Lions much this year. But okay. what if I tell you? that one of the best offenses in the league, Ben Johnson, the OC, becomes the head coach in Indianapolis. Yeah, I don't like that idea at all. With I, Derek Carr. I don't like that idea of Ben Johnson going to Who resurrected Jared Goff from the dead, basically. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. Dre, any thoughts on that? Well, in, in reference to Jared, I, I've, I've watched a, a little bit of the Lions this year because I'm actually shocked that uh, they're, they're knocking on the playoff <laughs> door. But... Um, you know, when you look at what they're doing, it's 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 uh, it's outstanding because I'm used to seeing the Lions upside down the other way. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, like I mentioned, that I want to see Derek Carr in a situation in the division where he's throwing it around and they throw it around uh, in Detroit. They move the football yep. through the air. It's it's a fun brand of football to watch, um, and to see him doing that for the Colts, who have receiving threats. Uh, a healthy Jonathan Taylor on that team. Now, if you're talking about down the road when they're healthy, that's that's the play for Derek Carr, not Tennessee in the way he likes to play. But if you're talking about right now, uh, who, who could he help the most? I think it would be Tennessee, obviously. Dre, what do you think of what Stidham did yesterday for the Raiders? You got Stidham and Brock Purdy going at it. It's a shootout out west, and these guys are both backups Purdy's a third stringer, Mr. Irrelevant, and they're putting up monster points and going deep into overtime or going into overtime anyway. Thoughts? Well, Purdy's giving them – he's going to give the 49ers brass something to think about this offseason. I mean, what do they – obviously, they will move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, or Garoppolo probably wants to move on from them uh, the way he's been yo-yoed out there. And then it's Trey Lance, and and the way this kid has played – uh, it's supposed to be, you know, um, the best player or who's performing the best. And, you know, that doesn't always happen. It didn't happen in Dallas when uh, when that was going on. They rushed Dak back on the field. And I told you guys how I would handle that. You know, he would have had to have lost. Cooper Rush would have had to have lost two games in a row. That didn't happen. So he might still be the quarterback if I were the head coach in Dallas. Um, anyway, that's a story for a different day. But with with they, I mean they've got some they've got a lot of, of of stuff in terms of talent at the quarterback position where they're going to have to make a make a decision. And then with Jared Stidham, I think you know he's able to do what he did yesterday because he's been in that system for a few years. Uh, he has had Josh calling it for him, so it's not like you know he a, a guy making his first start with a team. This mm-hmm. is uh, you know you know you you had background the exact same terminology. Uh, a year earlier before or when you were in New England with the head coach. So that his performance didn't surprise me at all. Okay, this is for both of you guys too. I mean, it has to do with Jalen Hurts. He doesn't play the last uh, two weeks, and the Eagles 
they they hung in there with the game against the Cowboys, but did not look good yesterday against the Saints. A, can Jalen Hurts be the MVP, even though he missed a couple of games? And B, does he prove how much more valuable he is because the Eagles' offense bogged down without him? You would think the latter, but I'm going to take, you know, what you said first. And I don't. I think a lot of people are already looking for a reason not to vote Jalen Hurts as the MVP. Like it's somewhat like you've got to have done it one year and you know an apprentice year before you can, be, you know, step forward and become the MVP. You've got to be in the conversation first. So there was there's a lot of that going around. And then the second part about Gardner Minshew, you had these so-called experts, and why guys get paid for effect is is beyond me, but. They could unplug Jalen Hurts. The Philadelphia Eagles were are just are so talented offensively and defensively that they can just take him out, plug in Gardner Minshew, and they're going to be the same team. Well, obviously that uh, that was that theory's blown up, and just how much he does mean to his team, which should generate even more MVP talk, but it won't. But uh, he he means a tremendous amount because he's he can move around, he can make plays with his legs, he's deadly accurate and has gotten himself much, much better as a player. Uh, until he, until they, he comes back, they're going to sit on the, on the back burner for a little while. Okay, we're going to ask this question. We're going to talk about this for the next four months and beyond. And I asked this to John McClain, Dre. Here we go. We all watched Saturday's action. Better pro prospect, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. Go. Ooh-wee. Oh, man. Oh. Boy. You can change your. You know what? I'm not going to hold it to you. Like on January second, Dre said this, but nothing you know, like handling that matzo ball at nine eighteen in the morning, Dre. Yeah, yeah, but I think that also, you know, you guys are going to watch a ton more tape on all yeah. of this, and maybe you know some opinions change or whatever. Because who knows? But you tell me, man. I think Stroud is so much more physically gifted. Uh, and and that, they're two uh, totally opposites. I mean, Bryce Young plays a game between his between his ears. He may not might be as as uh, physically gifted as Stroud, but man, is he just will his team and and uh, it keeps him in a position to win at all times. Now that's at Alabama where you got you know tremendous amount of athletes and third string. Uh, most Saturdays can go beat most teams around the country. So he's got a tremendous team around him, but he elevates his team, and you have to look for that. I think he also plays and and uh, fixes things that maybe aren't there in terms of play calls that he can fix. So you know he's smart and he can handle the offense and and so on and so forth. I think both are great individuals. I've met both. Um, you, you don't have these are two guys that you're not going to have to worry about um, away from the facility. So. Oh, man, with all that being said, I don't know. I would need the months leading up to the draft to kind of pick at it, and then you just make you make a decision and you roll with it. But in terms of who's best for you right now, uh, I don't know that it's wise for either and fan expectation for either one to come in day one and step in and take first-team reps. Um, I don't think either is Deshaun Watson. In terms from a talent standpoint, I just don't, you know, in terms of being able to, to handle it from the very start. So, Dre, I'll ask you this playing the position. What's the one physical trait? What's the one non-physical trait that you look for in a quarterback that you want to see in your quarterback 
physical, arm strength, feet, whatever, non-physical, intangibles, clutch in the fourth quarter, whatever. What are the one physical trait, one non-physical trait you look for in a quarterback that you feel like is going to be successful? Well, the physical trait's accuracy because, you know, when you get to an age where you're getting ready to, to graduate and, and enter the draft, you should have an element of accuracy to you. And, and that's just, you know, a lot of that is doing it over and over again. You can build that, but it's hard to build once once you're in the league, so to speak. And then non I mean, I think physically, I mean, uh, between the ears, can you can you process the information fast enough? Can you get through reads? Can, and you can help a quarterback along in a way in which just how you talk to him and phrase certain things. But you uh, you have to be once the ball is snapped, can you get from from progression, you know, one, two to three uh, in a timely manner? And if, if that's coached into a player, then you can play pretty you can play early at that position. Uh, as long as you can, you know, if you got a an experienced offensive line that can help protect a young quarterback, where setting the protections isn't always on him. It's let's say a veteran center like a Jeff Saturday in Indianapolis who can set protections and make sure a young quarterback, you know, can can uh, can make strides week by week and take that off of his plate in the early years. So all of that's going to have to happen. Uh, as as we get closer to the draft, I have no idea, guys, exactly which direction they should go. Dre, you played college football in the Southwest Conference. You took on the Aggies, Longhorns, Arkansas back in the day. You won the Heisman Trophy. You are all about Texas football. The TCU story. Tell me your thoughts as they climb to the national championship game. I love it. I love Sonny and, and the job that he has done. It couldn't have happened to a better man and a better football coach. Uh, put his time in, just kind of bided his time. And, you know, even when he took the job, I'm like, oh, wow, he's just kind of you know, going across the across town. Why would he even, you know, entertain that? But then you start to see exactly why and your, your ability from a certain conference to actually elevate and play for a national championship. I thought it was first class that he talked about Coach Leach, along with his dad, Spike, who was, who was a great friend of my high school football, Coach Dub Ferris, uh, before his passing. And, and so uh, Sonny's just a first-class guy. It took a long time. Think, and I was kind of quizzing you guys. Think about the, as long as it took, uh, as long as Gary Patterson was at TCU and all those years of putting that thing together and building it back and so on and so forth, and then Sonny – goes in and he's able to just kind of elevate it one more tick to get him playing in a national championship where the expectations go up in uh, in within the program and the alumni base and so on and so forth. I think it's great. It's great for the state of Texas to have a, a university that represents our state playing for the national championship. And uh, just congratulations to TCU and the, that family of, uh, of the success that they've had this year. But it, it is one heck of a deal. You see his toughness and his stamp on the program through his quarterback and his play. Everybody plays hard, and they play for 60 minutes, that's for sure. All right, I'll get your pick next week. Homework for you guys. Get your pick ready for next week, next Monday's show. Dre, thanks a lot for joining us. Looking forward to Sunday. Traveling Saturday, playing right, Sunday. Appreciate it, guys. We'll see you then. And there you have it, a little Andre Ware joining Mark and myself talking about the finale, man, something about finality. 
coming up on Sunday. Now, I have not seen the actual time, but my guess is it's going to be noon kick, 1 o'clock up in Indianapolis because they're on Eastern time now because, you know, that whole daylight savings time thing, they don't change the clock, I guess. So there's that. There's also our biggest fans out there, and I got to give props to one of our biggest, and that's Daikin, D-A-I-K-I-N, Daikin. These guys are doing big and wonderful things in Houston. As the world's number one indoor comfort provider, Daikin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. From comfort and convenience to air quality, Daikin's innovations are changing how people enjoy the indoors. As they lead the way to a more sustainable future, reducing our carbon emissions to net zero by 2050. Now that sounds like a long time from now, but it really isn't. Learn more at Daikin, D-A-I-K-I-N, Daikin, loves Houston. Com, and we love the general, John McClain, and he will join us next right here on Texans All Access. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a Monday edition of Texans All Access. It's our last one-hour edition of Monday All Access. We've got Bills and Bengals in a massively important game in the AFC. Bills, Bengals, Chiefs, all up for the number one seed, still going in to week 18. Now, the Bills can eliminate the Bengals from that tonight. If the Bills win, they're 13-3, Chiefs are 13-3. Then it comes down to the final weekend. Bills win, they end up being number one seed. Bills lose, Chiefs win, Chiefs end up being the number one seed again. And we know how that went last time in Arrowhead. So massively important game tonight for the Buffalo Bills, but also for the Bengals. If the Bengals win two and the Bills lose on Sunday again, then the Bengals are the number one seed. I mean, it's a little bit convoluted, but it's playoff time. That's what happens. So you got playoff time over here. You've got strength of schedule and draft positioning over here. It's kind of wild going into week 18. And no one better to break it all down with than the General John McClain. Let's go, General John, is Petrie the MVP of this team? Name an MVP for me of the Houston Texans if you had to. I know nobody really wants to right now with the record being what it is, but I'm going to put you on the spot right now, General. Laramie Tunstall, left tackle. He's pass blocked as well as any tackle. He's first team uh, starter in the Pro Bowl. Got a chance to make the all-pro team. Petrie is, I hope, will make the all-rookie team, which is voted on by the Pro Football Writers of America. I wish he hadn't missed so many tackles, including one on the long touchdown run yesterday. Mm. But he's been a tremendous second-round pick. He is now second in Texans history for rookies with tackles. He had, You're not going to catch D'Amico. He needs 17 tackles against the Colts to catch D'Amico. And one reason he's got so many tackles, of course, because teams run the ball on him so many times. But I think he's been terrific. I think if Derek Stingley hadn't missed the last six games, you know, he wouldn't have made big plays like that because he's not in a position to as his own corner. But I think this draft and these, you know, Kurt Einish had two tackles for loss. Uh, I, and Jake Hansen had made some big plays. These undrafted rookies this year are the best that Nick Casario has. So people ought to be fired up about free agency when he's going to have some money to spend in the draft where he has 11 picks right now and possibly first overall in his choice of any player, and hopefully it'll be a quarterback. 
All right, General. Well, speaking of Laramie Tunsil and Jalen Petrie, you ask Laramie Tunsil, who's a dog on this team. He started with Damian Pierce, and he was like, no, nah, but Jalen Petrie's my favorite player. I thought that was pretty – he was on with Landry and John and, and said that. I thought that was pretty that was pretty interesting. And by the way, can I interest you both with the number? Do it. Jalen Petrie now has 139 tackles and five interceptions. He is the first rookie to reach those numbers yeah. since 1991. Last week, he was sharing that title with 125 tackles and four picks with – Brian Cushing and Kiko Alonso. He now has the number of 139 tackles and five interceptions. He's the only rookie to do it in the last 30 years. That is awesome. That is uh, pretty productive. And moving back to free safety was good. General, you've seen the Titans a number of times. You've seen them up close twice. You've seen the Jaguars up close twice. Game is Saturday. Who is the AFC South champion when it's all said and done after Saturday night? After watching them Thursday night and Josh Dobbs, taking over a quarterback after he'd been signed. He's so much better throwing the ball than Malik Willis. Now, that's not saying anything. You know, they had no Mm -hmm. intentions of playing Malik Willis as a rookie, but they had to twice, but they left themselves in that situation. So Derrick Henry has had a week to uh, rest, and they rested a bunch of their other starters in that last game, and so they should be fresh. I just don't see Mike Vrabel, even with a backup quarterback, going out with that defense with, what, a six-game losing streak and going from where they were. Now, the Jaguars yesterday, the Jaguars handed the Texans their worst loss of the season, but the Texans' defense played pretty well. 337 yards they allowed, 169 rushing, and one thing they hadn't been given up his long touchdown plays. You take away that 62-yard run by Travis Etienne, and on their other uh, 21 carries, average 3.5 yards. So the Titans have a much better defense than the Texans. Trevor Lawrence now has gone two games without a touchdown pass. And so Mm -hmm. I'm going with the Titans. Um, Yeah, I'm talking myself in now. I'm going with the Jaguars. Jaguars just seem to be – a team of destiny you know they're going to be should be one and done in the playoffs but man the, the titans defense is good and henry may run the ball 35 times to control the clock john true or false the titans and colts are both going to be looking for quarterbacks in the offseason absolutely they are three of the four teams in the division are going to be looking for quarterbacks the play's been awful do you guys know the texans don't have a net of 215 yards passing in seven games. They've only had 300 yards once in seven games, and it all starts at quarterback. So there's three teams in AFC South and many more in the NFL who are going to be looking for quarterbacks. And after the performances that Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud put on Saturday, it's clearly they're going to be first and second, but – you know, I would rather see Nick Casario have his choice of either one of them. And uh, so I'm hoping they get that first pick. General, watching the Raiders yesterday, Jarrett Stidham played pretty well. And he unfortunately got hit, caused an interception. The 49ers are able to win that game in overtime. But I'm thinking about the, well, soon-to-be former Las Vegas Raiders quarterback, Derek Carr. What are the odds that Derek Carr ends up in the AFC South? I would think Tennessee, when you look at Derrick Henry, they're not going to draft a quarterback and try to develop him. Henry still had a tremendous year. They held him out. He shows no signs of letting up. 
but you have to maximize the time you have with him. So I could see them getting a veteran. I think Ryan Tannehill has thrown his last pass. They got the most they could get out of Tannehill. All field advantage, back-to-back division titles, reach the AFC championship game. And they need a new one, but there's a lot of teams that need a new one. The Colts are drafting high enough where they're going to, where they will, should be able to get one. A lot of people have Anthony Richardson, the underclassman of Florida, going in the top 10 because they think he's going to put on a show with his size, his arm, and his mobility. And you guys know how it is. By the time it comes to the draft, what they did in college is a distant memory. It's what they do in shorts and T-shirts and their, and their lunches and their dinners and their top 30 visits. And uh, so I don't think the Colts are going to have to go veteran. Again, they shouldn't, but there's a lot of teams out there that are going to be looking. General, is there a contractual obligation in the league that Brady, Rodgers, and the Pittsburgh Steelers must be in playoff contention in the final week of the season or at least having clinched by the final week of the season? I mean, these are amazing stories. I think that uh, when you're paying the NFL billions of dollars, you should have a little clause at the bottom that says these (laughs) – should be in there because they're the biggest draws. Uh, And if the Packers are in, you know, with their fans, with Brady, Brady threw for 432 yards yesterday Mm -hmm. and no interceptions and three, three, four touchdowns, three to Mike Evans. Evans had over 200 yards. That's not the Brady that teams have been seeing. And it's not the Brady they want to see in the playoffs right now. If Philadelphia doesn't blow this, and wins and gets home field advantage in the buy in the NFC. Cowboys going to Tampa. I'd let the Bucks beat them in the first game of the year. I'd love to see. Don't you know? Let's see which game will be the late game on Sunday if the mm. Cowboys are playing the Buccaneers. Uh, duh. And so I, I, I'd love to see that game. And if it's not, it would be Philadelphia going to uh, Tampa. That'd be good, too. But I can't imagine the Eagles are going to lose their last three and blow the division and blow home field advantage in the NFC. But that does show you how valuable Jalen Hurts is to that team. Well, that leads me to my question, General, because that's where I was going with this. There's been a lot of noise about, well, you could just put any quarterback in for the Eagles, and the Eagles offense will just go. Who is the MVP right now in the NFL? Uh, Patrick Mahomes is the MVP. He has more touchdowns, more yards. He's gonna, if Buffalo wins tonight in the Monday night game of the year, uh, they'll end up with home field advantage. But if Cincinnati, which has won seven in a row, beats them in Cincinnati, Kansas City's going to end up with home field advantage again. And Sean McDermott has not won a road playoff game since he's been the quarterback. And we all know where he lost the first one. And uh, and so Buffalo needs to win this game tonight. I can't wait for this game tonight because we're seeing so many good ones. Yesterday we had games decided by one, three, two, six, three, and three points. And people are always talking about, oh, college football is the greatest. And it was great on Saturday. But, man, watching that 49ers, Vegas, 37-34 overtime game with two guys that never thought they were going to play. This mm-hmm. season, Brock Purdy and Jared Stidham. I'll tell you guys an interesting Stidham story. Y'all know he's his daughter Kennedy's married to Ted Brown, longtime 
Rock was president. And yeah. uh, when Stidham was a freshman at Baylor, he had committed to Tech. Art Browse, who had coached in Stephenville, where, where Stidham was, got him to come to Baylor. Before his freshman year, Browse told me he has a chance to be better than RG3. I got really fired up as a Baylor alum. And he played well as a freshman. He got hurt. I think it was an ankle injury. Then the scandal hit. Then he went to Auburn and the rest is instead of mystery. And I thought that he would end up here at some point because I know I'd been told by several people he and Casario were really tight because as the quarterback in the bottom of the barrel his first year, he spent a lot of time with Casario coaching him. We know how Nick likes to get out at practice and training camp. And I just thought he'd be here. They traded for him at, at Las Vegas. Josh McDaniels did. And that may turn out to be a great move because people today are not crying out there because Derek Carr got sat down the last two games. Well, he made some money yesterday. That was like the Robbie Benson scene at the end of one-on-one. Okay, extremely <laughs> dated movie reference. I apologize. Three people got it, and they're Ooh. happy about it. Okay. Well, two of Gen- them are on here. All right, General, yeah, I forget the name of the actor who plays the coach, but he's like the evil coach in so many oh, sports movies. He's evil in everything. He is, he's evil in everything. Uh, General, one more for you, and we're going to have this conversation for the next four months and maybe the next several years. Better pro prospect in the draft, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. Go. Bryce Young. The only thing, Bryce Young's done at the SEC. What he did Saturday is what he's been doing for two years, C.J. Stroud, what he did Saturday is not what he's been doing. Great from start to finish against top competition because I watched a lot of Ohio State's games in which he would have a bad quarter, a bad half, and then explode. And they're both great prospects. The only reason Bryce Young is not clearly the number one prospect at this point is because of his size. And when he's at the combine, they think he'll be closer to 5'10". He's got plenty of time to eat like Kyler Murray did. But if he measures, and it's so interesting that people make such a big deal out of this. If he's 5'11", people will be happy. If he's 5'10 and a quarter, you better make sure you have a coach who can coach a guy with that size, but he can make every throw. He's fearless. He's a leader. Everything about him is, is great. And uh, I would Love to see him wearing a Texans uniform next season. Don't eat too much, Bryce Young. He's going to show up at the Combine looking like Major Tutty. Okay, (laughs) General, thanks so much for the time. Thank you, guys. I'll talk to you Thursday. Okay, if you don't know Major Tutty by now, the Commanders rolled out a new mascot, and they coincided the rolling out of the new mascot with celebrating the Hogs. Now, the Hogs are a famous offensive line back in the 80s, for the team formerly known as the Redskins. And they were famous. It was one of the most, it's arguably the most famous offensive line ever. And they were good. And so they got a nickname. I mean, everybody in Washington had a nickname at that point. Well, using the hog name combined with the commander's new logo, they tried out this pot belly looking hog with this weird, what's supposed to be like a military helmet. And they called him Major Tutty. <laughs> Like, oh, man, that's why I was laughing because Mark brought it back up. So just just so you know, I wasn't laughing at the general at all. Love the general. All right. I love week 17 other than what happened to us in week 17. So let's go back over it and how it sets up for a tremendous week 18. That's next right here at Texas All Access.
we got one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access. Glad to be with you from the Hunted Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. It's time to look back at week 17 in the NFL. Why not? Well, because I always do, really. And it started, well, first of all, I need my music. Can we get my music? There it is. It started back on Thursday night when the Tennessee Titans, or the Fugazi, that is the Titans, because there was nobody playing, lost 27-13 to at home. Sixth loss in a row for the Titans. They were 7-3 at one point. They're now 7-9. But they are playing the AFC South Championship. The Cowboys won 27-13. Scored 10 in the fourth quarter to pull away and win. Dak Prescott threw two tutties. <laughs> Major tutty. And two interceptions, though. Josh Dobbs threw a touchdown interception. Did look bad. But no Derrick Henry. Uh, and it was a tough night for the Tennessee Titans. But they were just trying to get through that one, get a few days of rest, and then get ready for Jacksonville on Saturday. 27-13, Dallas moves to 12-4. Still alive for the number one seed in NFC. How about that? All right, the Falcons and the Cardinals. These teams, like the Texans, not going to the playoffs. But that didn't matter as the Falcons drove down Desmond Ritter all the way down inside the five-yard line Young Wei Koo knocked one home from 21 yards away on the final play of the game to give the Falcons win number six, 20 to 19 win over the Arizona Cardinals. David Plow started for the Cardinals. He threw 222 yards and a touchdown. Ritter threw for 169, but no tutties yet. Tyler Algier, he's a guy that I love coming out of BYU. He has been tremendous for the Falcons. Over 1,000 yards total offense this year. They got him, I think, in the fifth round, and he has been all kinds of excellent for the Falcons. 900 rushing yards, over 100 receiving, over 1,000 on a year. I mean, that's just incredible. Nice job, Tyler Algier, a great rookie to come out of that class with Damian Pierce. Falcons get the win, 20-19. They move to 6-10. and 10. The Lions took on the Bears, and the Bears jumped out fast, got up 10-7, and then it caved in. The Lions put on a run of 34 to nothing. DeAndre Swift scored. Brock Wright scored again. Michael Badgley field goal. Jamal Williams touchdown run. DeAndre Swift touchdown catch. Michael Badgley, the money badger. 41-yard field goal to end it. 41 to 10. Jared Goff continues to shine. 255 yards through the air, three touchdowns. And Jamal Williams ran for 144 and a touchdown. Justin Fields ran for 132. But he only threw one touchdown on seven of 21. That passing game's got to get better for Justin Fields. Bears fall to three and 13. Thanks, Bears. But Lions get the win, and the Lions right now are eight and eight. No matter what happens with the Lions, they'll play the Packers. They may not get in because the Seahawks are key in all this. Seahawks win, Seahawks then move on. If the Lions beat the Packers, the Lions beat the Packers, and Seahawks lose to the Rams up in Seattle, which could happen. Lions go to the playoffs. Either way, 8-8 eight eight right now. On their way to 9-8. Great season for the Lions, no matter what. Chiefs came from behind to get a 27-24 win. The Chiefs are doing just enough. Patrick Mahomes, 328 yards and three touchdowns. Russell Wilson probably had one of his better games. 222 yards passing, one touchdown. Isaiah Pacheco had one touchdown on the ground as the Chiefs win and move to 13-3. They found a way to beat the Broncos. They found a way to beat us. They're just finding ways to win. And the more wins... They get a bye, potentially. Then they play at home. I mean, it's all setting up for the Chiefs. But the Bills have a lot to say. The Bills maintain and hold their destiny for the number one seed. 
The Chiefs do not. The Chiefs need the Bengals or the Patriots, which could happen, one of those two to beat the Bills. And then the Chiefs have to keep winning, obviously, next week against the Raiders out of Las Vegas. Chiefs lose, then it doesn't matter. The Bills will be that team unless the Bills lose twice, which I don't think they're going to. Speaking of the Patriots, Patriots held on 23-21 against the Dolphins facing Teddy Bridgewater. Mac Jones threw a couple of touchdowns. Taquan Thornton had a touchdown for the Pats. Raheem Mostert, 62 yards receiving and a touchdown. But Kyle Duggar picked six was the difference in this one. He picked off Bridgewater, ran it back. That gave New England a 16-14 lead. They would then hold on 23-21. Skyler Thompson replaced Teddy Bridgewater. Things are not going well in Miami as of late. The Patriots kind of up, kind of down, kind of up, kind of down. If they didn't blow that one to the Raiders, they'd be sitting at 9-7 right now in pole position. But 8-8, eight eight, like the Dolphins, 8-8. Eight eight, and the Patriots have the Bills in Week 18, which is going to be a very fun and important game. The Giants hammered the Colts. Badly. 38-10. Giants going to the playoffs. Good on them. I did not think that team was going to do anything this year. And they rose up and played extremely well. Speaking of a team getting hot at the right time, the Saints, 7-9. Now, the Saints aren't going to be able to make the playoffs, I don't think. Maybe there's an outside shot of the wild card to get 8-9. But they won three in a row. They went last week and beat Cleveland in Cleveland in minus 35-degree wind chill. They went up to Philly and beat the number one seed as of now in the NFC the 13-3 Philadelphia Eagles. Well, they were 13-2. The Saints made them 20, uh, made them 13-3 because Marshawn Lattimore with the pick six, which has caused all kinds of consternation in Eagles' world. But they get to win 20-10. A.J. Brown had a 78-yard touchdown pass, but it's the pick that got people kind of upset about A.J. Brown. He's had to explain himself. Well, that didn't go well. It didn't go well for the Eagles. The Eagles got to win. Eagles got to win to be that number one seed. It's that simple in the last week of the year. And they play the G-Men. So we'll see what happens there. The Bucks and the Panthers played a whale of a football game. The Bucks clinched the NFC South. 30-24. to How they scored 20 points in the fourth quarter. And then there was one of the most magical punches you've ever seen by the Buccaneers that pinned the, the Panthers inside the five. I mean, it was about to be a game changer. He got it off somehow. And it saved the 30-24 to win for the Buccaneers. The Browns beat the Commanders. Boo. 49ers and Raiders played the game of the day. Brock Purdy and Jared Stidham put on a show. Purdy, 284 yards passing, two tutties. Jared Stidham threw for 365 and three touchdowns. Wow. Christian McCaffrey was great. 19 carries, 121 yards, a touchdown. Brandon Ayuk, nine catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown. Devontae Adams had seven catches, 153 yards, two touchdowns. But a pick late led to the game-winning field goal. San Francisco moves to 12-4, and four, and they're right in this thing. That. All right, that'll do it. Big thanks to Mark, to Dre, to John McClain, all of you for listening. We'll see you next time, and as always, go Texas.